Hi, I'm Asha Tomlinson. And I'm David Common. And we're hosts of CBC Marketplace. We're award-winning investigative journalists that want to help you avoid clever scams, unsafe products, and sketchy services. Our TV show has been Canada's top investigative consumer watchdog for more than 50 years. But this is our first podcast. CBC Marketplace podcast is available now on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. Wildfires are currently burning in many parts of Canada's Pacific Northwest. And for the people who live there, it means wildfire smoke is in the air, which affects their everyday lives. Wildfire smoke, it turns out, contains a really big dose of particle pollutants that can affect your health. And it's a subject that we don't talk about often enough. So this week we're asking, how do atmospheric pollutants affect my health, especially around wildfire smoke? Hi, Sarah. Welcome to The Dose. Hi, Brian, and thanks for having me. Lovely to have you as well. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I've got a confession. Um, I live, uh, you know, as I speak, I'm I'm east of the uh, Ontario-Manitoba border. Uh, I'm nowhere near the current wildfires. So make the case, why should I care about this topic, uh, particularly as it pertains to health? (laughs) Well, you may be nowhere near wildfires, but I'd be surprised if you haven't had any wildfire smoke in your region so far this summer, because wildfire smoke knows no borders, provincial or national. It goes everywhere. So even if you don't live near to fire-prone regions, chances are there will be times of your life where the air quality is impacted by wildfire smoke. And I suspect that what we're learning about particle pollutants that, that are in high dose in wildfires uh, is applicable to, to uh, what we know about atmospheric pollutants in general and how they affect our health. Am I right? You're mostly right. Uh, Wildfire smoke is another form of air pollution, just like air pollution from cars or air pollution from industry. But there are some differences between all different forms of air pollution. So we'll get into those differences in just a moment. But I think, you know, I hope you've, you you and I have made the case that this is a really important topic. But before we begin, can you give us a hi, my name is, tell us what you do and where you do it. You can just ad lib. Hi, my name is Sarah Henderson, and I am the Scientific Director of Environmental Health Services at the British Columbia Center for Disease Control. I oversee a pretty broad program of applied environmental health research, surveillance, and knowledge translation to inform evidence-based policy and practice in British Columbia and across Canada. Okay, Sarah, here we go. We will talk about wildfire smoke in just a moment, but in general, I thought I would ask you, how do atmospheric pollutants uh, in general affect our health? So when we're talking about atmospheric pollutants, simply put, there's two different kinds. There's gases and there's particles. And it's far more complex than that because gases can turn into particles in the atmosphere. But I don't want to get into all that. Gases are not solid and particles are solid. And every different source of air pollution is going to emit different mixes of gases and particles. So with what you have just said, uh, talk about wildfire smoke as a source, as a source of pollution. And, and from there, we'll get to health. Okay. 
So wildfire smoke is a very complex source of air pollution compared with those other things I've talked about, like vehicles and industry. And part of the complexity is that it depends on what's burning, it depends on how hot it's burning, and it depends on what the weather conditions are around the fire. So the mix of gases and particles can be really different depending on those conditions. When we talk about wildfire smoke, we often talk about fine particulate matter or particles that are less than 2.5 microns in aerodynamic diameter. And that's important because particles that are that small can penetrate deep into the lungs. And I know we're going to talk about the health effects of that momentarily. But when we talk about wildfire smoke, we also have to remember that there's a lot of different gases that these wildfires are generating as well. So the particles always come with these gases. And one of the key things to understand is that we measure the particles in lots of different places across Canada every minute of the day, but we don't really measure all of those gases all that well. So it's hard for us to know exactly what the gaseous impacts of wildfire smoke are on air quality, but we're really well aware of the particulate matter impacts. And from what you've said, uh, you know, the composition of the wildfire smoke obviously depends on what's burning. So in some cases, it's trees, but in other cases, it might be houses, factories. Is that right? That is right. So when the smoke is from wildland fuels, trees, gases, shrubs, that's one thing. When we're looking at these interface fires where there are anthropogenic materials burning, that's going to be an even more complex type of smoke. And and what we see is those fu those fuels are really dense, right? Like there's a lot of material uh, when we're talking about communities or, or how that are burning. And so it's a very thick type of smoke. So we know that wildfire smoke affects our health. What impact can it have? So if we come back to these very small particles, I said that they can penetrate deep into the lungs. And what we mean by that is that they can reach the alveolar region of the lungs or the place where the oxygen exchange happens. Now, if the particles are small enough, they can actually translocate across the lung and into the bloodstream, meaning that they can circulate through the whole body. Other particles that remain in the lungs, your body does not want them there, and it mounts an immunological response against them in a similar way that it would treat a virus or a bacterium that was in your lungs. But because the particles can't be killed in the same way that a virus or a bacterium could be, that immunological response is sustained. And what it leads to is inflammation in the lungs, and that inflammation can spill over into the rest of the body and cause kind of systemic inflammation. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking one thing with asthma, uh, it would it could exacerbate pre-existing asthma or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Is that right? So I always talk about people with chronic respiratory diseases like asthma and COPD as the canaries in the coal mine of wildfire smoke. They are very sensitive to it and more sensitive to wildfire smoke than to other kinds of air pollution. That may be because the particles in wildfire smoke have a different composition 
from the particles and other types of air pollution, or it may be because of all those complex gases that are also traveling with the wildfire smoke. But the first thing we see when a community gets smoky is these exacerbations of conditions such as asthma and COPD. And okay, so that's exacerbation of a pre-existing lung condition. And I'm assuming that the same thing would be true for people with heart disease. The same thing is likely true for people with heart disease, but the response isn't as big. When we look at all of the epidemiologic studies, we see this very pronounced response among people with respiratory conditions and a lesser response among people with cardiovascular conditions. Okay, I don't have pre-existing asthma or lung disease. Does that mean I've got nothing to worry about if I'm exposed to wildfire smoke from the standpoint of my lungs? Absolutely not. Unfortunately, it does mean that you may be more resilient to these smoke exposures when they occur. But what we find is when it's smoky in a community, there's a lot of people that have symptoms and we think of those as quite transient. So you may have burning eyes, you may have a sore throat, a bit of a phlegmy cough, uh, a headache, you just might not feel well. And that's definitely the impacts of the smoke on your body. The good news is that when the smoke clears, those impacts should clear as well. But one of the really big questions in the world of wildfire smoke research is what are the longer lasting impacts of these exposures? With the wildfire situation in Canada and Western North America right now, what we're seeing is communities having, you know, really big exposures in one summer or exposures that last for, for weeks or months, summer after summer. And we just don't have a lot of evidence yet about what the health impacts of those longer term patterns are going to be. You know, it's interesting, you know, I'm flashing back immediately, for instance, to, to firefighters who, of course, are in and out of fires. Um, they have long-term risks like uh, long-term lung disease, even cancers uh, of various kinds. Is that the kind of research that needs to be conducted to see what the long-term effects of wildfires uh, might be? You're right. We do need these longer-term studies on these longer-term outcomes. The good news is that research is starting to happen. I published my first paper on wildfire smoke uh, related to the 2003 wildfires in British Columbia. In that year, there were about four or five papers in the literature on the public health impacts of wildfire smoke. Now we see hundreds of papers every year. So I think in five years from now, we're going to know a lot more. But there was a really interesting recent study out of McGill University showing that the closer people live to wildfire activity, the higher the risk of some types of cancer. Now, they weren't able to make the direct link with smoke, but they certainly highlighted that smoke might be one of the reasons for that observation. And obviously, that's the kind of study that would have to be replicated uh, to, to draw stronger conclusions. Oh, absolutely. Whenever we're talking about the health impacts of air pollution in the population, we're usually talking about pretty small risks for any given individual, but the risks really add up because the whole population is exposed to the air. So we often need 
dozens or hundreds of studies before we feel confident in these types of relationships. Hey, I'm Tom Power. I'm the host of the podcast Q with Tom Power, where we talk to all kinds of artists, actors, writers, musicians, painters. We had Green Day on the other day talking about their huge album, American Idiot. Nicole Byer came on to talk about ADHD and comedy. And then there's Dan Levy. While we were talking about filmmaking, we talked about his insecurities. I sometimes feel like I have this desire to, like, perform, to be a version of myself that people might like. Listen to Q with Tom Power to hear your favorite artists as they truly are wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, how about people who are pregnant? And how about young kids? What is, what's their risk? This is an excellent question and one of my areas of real personal concern. There's been quite a few studies now on people who are pregnant and the effects of wildfire smoke on the developing fetus. Again, there's not really enough to feel super confident about the results, but what we see is that the infants are a slightly lower birth weight. There's higher risk of preterm birth. For people who have gestational diabetes, we do see that infants might be higher birth weight as a result of these wildfire smoke exposures, which can also lead to complications. And there's a few pieces of evidence around birth defects as well. So all of the literature is sort of pointing in the direction that that these exposures while pregnant can be risky for the infants. There's also a really fascinating group of studies out of California on infant monkeys. So at UC Davis, they have these cohorts of research monkeys every year, and sometimes they get exposed to wildfire smoke because it can be a very smoky place. When they compare those exposed infant monkeys to the unexposed infant monkeys, they find that their lungs never grow as big and that they experience immunodysregulation throughout their lives. And now they're going on to look at the offspring of those exposed monkeys and showing that the offspring also have a genetic impact of the smoke exposures of their mothers. So lots of concerning evidence in this area. We don't know very much about early life smoke exposures, but there is real concern when it comes to infants, especially neonates or infants in the first month of life where the lungs are very, very sensitive. And then we have to remember that lungs grow while we grow and they develop very rapidly in young children. There's a lot of branching happening to to create the fully formed lung. So if those processes are disrupted by wildfire smoke, there's the potential that that could harm lung health throughout the life course. We've been talking about physical health. What about mental health? What impact does wildfire smoke have on our mental health? Again, this is an area where we don't have too much research, but we have quite a lot of anecdote. 
there's two ways that wildfire smoke might affect mental health or two mechanisms. The first, again, is this potential translocation of fine particles across the lung and into the bloodstream. If particles are that small, they can also cross the blood brain barrier and therefore may have direct impacts on the brain. We had a recent study looking at cognition during smoky periods using data from Lumosity, which is a brain training platform. And what we saw is that when it was smoky, there were these small decrements to people's cognitive performance. So these indications that smoke can directly impact the brain. The other side is kind of the more socio-emotional side. If you live in a place that is smoky, you know, one day or two days of wildfire smoke may not be too bad. But if you live in a place that gets smoky for days, weeks, even months at a time, that's very oppressive to live in. It's difficult to go out and enjoy the outdoors. If the smoke makes you feel unwell, you're going to be feeling unwell for days, weeks, or months at a time. And then increasingly, you know, we see this kind of ecological grief in populations associated with these wildfires and these smoke exposures. Ecological grief. Can you say a little bit more about that? This is not my area of expertise, but, you know, we're watching the, the planet change in front of us. And for those of us who are, are middle-aged right now, things look a lot different than they used to when we were younger people. And there's a sadness and uh, distress that comes with that. And then if you're young right now and you're looking at the environment around you and listening to the news about the climate and and these changes that we're seeing, there's there's distress that comes with that as well. So with this, yeah, eco-anxiety or eco-distress is something that's being talked about a lot these days. Wow. You've given me some interesting things to think about that I hadn't thought about before, but I want to bring it back to people who are more directly exposed. So how can people who are in a wildfire area protect themselves in their indoor environment? One of the important messages is that if you take measures to protect yourself from wildfire smoke when it's occurring, you will also be reducing the potential for those longer lasting effects of the smoke exposure. So we really encourage people to try to reduce their smoke exposures whenever they can. Indoors, the common advice is to close your doors and windows so that smoke doesn't get into the house through those openings. And we do encourage that as long as you're not leading to indoor overheating, because that's another potentially very risky environmental exposure. But if you can safely close the doors and the windows of your house, if you can seal up cracks in the envelope and other places where smoke might get in, that will help to keep the smoke out. The next step is to try to clean out any smoke that does get in, and we recommend using portable air cleaners with HEPA filters for that. And what we find is that if you have your house closed up well and you're running a high quality filter, you can do a really good job of keeping the indoor air quality pretty good. Got it. 
You have already said that people should stay indoors and, and you've talked about how to protect your indoor environment. What if you have to be outside? How do you protect yourself outdoors? So there's lots of people who do have to be outside during smoky conditions. Some of those people are working outdoors. And if you have to work outside, we very much recommend that you speak with your occupational health and safety specialists about how to protect your health during these smoky conditions. Otherwise, you know, I don't I don't want to encourage people to hold themselves up inside all of the time. You can use tools like the Air Quality Health Index or the Wildfire Smoke Forecast to understand the times when the air quality is better or expected to be better and try to transition your outdoor activities into those times. There's also the simple recommendation to take it easy. If you are going out for a hard run, you're probably breathing about 10 times as much air as you would be at rest and you're breathing it deeper into your lungs. So if you go out for a hard run during smoky conditions, you're going to breathe 10 times more smoke and you're gonna breathe it deeper into your lungs. Smoky days are a good day for less intense physical activity. Got it. And just as a final reminder, when should you seek help for symptoms that are directly related or indirectly related to wildfire smoke exposure? As in any other time, you should always seek help if you're having difficulty breathing, if you're feeling significantly ill. Uh, if you're getting quite dizzy, if you're having abnormal heart palpitations or pain in your chest, all of those things are an indicator that you should be seeking medical attention. Sarah, any last words from you? You know, what we've seen in Canada over the past decade is significant increases in the amount of wildland fire. And what we expect is that that trend is likely to continue into the decades ahead. And we're seeing this increase in wildland fire for a couple of reasons. First, we've had decades of fire management policy that excluded fire from the landscape or suppressed fire. And much of Canada is a naturally flammable landscape that would burn at regular intervals if we didn't suppress those fires. So we have lots of fuel built up on the landscape. And now that fuel is intersecting with these hotter, drier, windier conditions, and that's dangerous fire weather. And so we are seeing these very large fires. You know, smoke is starting to dominate our lifetime exposure to air pollution. There's there's no end of that trend in sight. Well, Sarah Henderson, um, you have provided a fountain of knowledge on the health effects of wildfire smoke and some on atmospheric pollutants as well. I want to thank you for uh, coming on to The Dose to talk about this. Thank you so much for having me. Sarah Henderson is the Scientific Director of Environmental Health Services at the BC Centre for Disease Control. Here's your dose of smart advice. Wildfire smoke is made up of a mixture of gas pollutants, including carbon monoxide, hazardous air pollutants like polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, water vapor, and particle pollution. Particles are one of the main threats to your health. 
tiny particles less than 2.5 micrometers in diameter can penetrate the deepest region of your lungs and can pass into the circulation. Larger particles don't penetrate that deeply, but are still able to irritate the eyes, nose, and throat. People with pre-existing lung diseases like asthma and COPD and people with heart disease are at greater risk of health effects from wildfire smoke. So are older adults, children under 18 years of age, pregnant women, outdoor workers, and people who are socioeconomically disadvantaged. Short-term effects of particle pollution include irritation of the eyes and respiratory tract, cough, phlegm, wheezing, and shortness of breath, with an increased likelihood of bronchitis, impaired lung function, worsening asthma, and COPD. People with pre-existing heart disease are more likely to have heart attacks, heart failure, and stroke, hospital admissions, and death. Pregnant women exposed to wildfire smoke have more preterm births and lower birth weight. There are suggestions that for newborns and for very young infants, exposure to wildfire smoke may affect the development of their lungs. Exposure to wildfire smoke can also affect mental health. The long-term health effects of particle pollution are an important research topic. People with pre-existing asthma should use the medications prescribed by their healthcare provider to manage their symptoms. Seek medical care immediately if your usual asthma medications aren't working well or if you have chest pain, heart palpitations, or dizziness. Best to stay indoors if you live in an area in which there are wildfires. Keep in mind that particle pollution travels easily indoors. Ways to reduce exposure include blocking off windows, doors, and other openings in the building. Air cleaning devices can filter out harmful particles. So can wearing a properly fitted N95 or KN95 mask. It's not a good idea to do any sort of vigorous outdoor exercise when there are wildfires nearby. If your job requires you to be outdoors during a wildfire, check with occupational health and safety. If you have topics you'd like discussed or questions answered, our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. If you like this episode, please give us a rating and review wherever you listen. This edition of The Dose was produced by Isabel Gallant. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. If you're looking for medical advice, see your health care provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.